With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the American Pipeline podcast presented by BetMGM McKenny Hockey. I am Mike Stevens and sitting across from me is Sydney Wolf from The Rank Live. Sydney, how you doing? Doing good. A lot of uh, fun news and notes here this week. Some more big USHL stuff. And uh, there's been plenty of news today, as I'm sure you know, with NHL and like all leagues. I feel like it's like a it's a big day of hockey stuff today. Absolutely. Yeah, it was nuts. Uh, Sydney was very was very kind to uh, to wait 15 minutes. I was 15 minutes late to recording today because just signings and trades and whatnot. A lot of fun. Um, but we are back. The All-Star game or the All-Star week and break and everything is is, is over. Um, and here we are. We're ready to rock. Sydney, let's let's take it from the top here Some for some news and notes, starting off with Sam Sholand. Um, we had an update from last week. Uh, I was graciously covered by by Jacob Stoller. So why don't you give us an update on that? Yeah, so just wanted to give a shout out to everybody on on Twitter. Last week, we talked about Dallas prospects and we saw that Sam Showland hadn't played at all this year for Western Michigan, and I couldn't find anything on Twitter about it. So shout out to everybody on Twitter that DM'd me or messaged me why he wasn't playing, because I could not find it for the life of me. Um, so Twitter really came in handy there. And it was actually an article that was already on the Rink Live, so I didn't even know how I how I missed that, um, because I read all of our stuff anyway. Uh, but it looks like he was actually suspended for like 40 games or something. Um, so he never actually played this year because he played during COVID apparently in a, in a pro league, what's well, considered a pro league in Sweden. So it looks like that's why he hasn't played yet this year. I had no idea why I didn't know if he was injured or what, but some Dallas fans sent me that uh, article. So it sounds like he was trying to appeal it, but from the looks of it, he still hasn't played. So I assume that means he just has to sit out a year because he played in, in a league that was considered pro. So that kind of sucks because uh, he's a Dallas prospect, but uh, hopefully he's able to play, I assume, next year. But I have no idea. But, yeah, thanks to everybody on Twitter for for sending me that article from uh, my colleague Brad Schlossman that he wrote, I think, at the beginning of the season because I I had no idea. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, 40 games. Is I not... think it said, yeah, like 41, which I just assume that means like the entire the season. season. Yeah. yeah. So, but that kind of – Stinks then if you're a Dallas fan or a Western Michigan fan, but I'm hoping then or assume that he's able to play next year, but we'll see. I don't know how all that those rules and, and regulations work. There was no like sort of, uh, like there was no leeway during COVID. Like it's COVID. What yeah, does he do? so not play at all? I assume that's why he probably tried to, to fight it a little bit because I'm sure there were limited options during COVID because most leagues like, didn't play or they played very little like before or after sort of like that main pandemic part happened those few months. But yeah, it sounds like that probably didn't scale it back because he still hasn't played. So I don't know, but yeah, Twitter, Twitter people came in handy and, and sent me that info. So cool. 
Well, that's that's just that's that's nuts in my opinion. But definitely crazy. Speaking of players uh, who are coming back, defenseman Stephen Holtz of Michigan. He's officially back after being in the ICU dealing with an illness. We I remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, being like, oh, you know, hope he's okay. He was in the ICU. He's back. He played a game. This is a great story. Yeah, so this was just a, a cool update. It was actually like kind of a long time ago. I think it was in like November, December, which is is weird because I remember talking about it too. Um, they didn't really specify any details or anything, which is totally okay. We don't really need yeah. details, but he was in the ICU. It sounded like it was pretty bad and, and scary for him, but it's really good. He's able to, to be back and now he's playing again. So I assume, you know, he's back to hopefully full health or close to full health, but he hadn't played in a game since... I want to say it said November 4th or 5th. So it's been like a long time since he's played for Michigan, but he was back in the lineup this past weekend against Wisconsin. So cool to see that uh, he's hopefully been able to make a full recovery and he's uh, back playing for Michigan. So that was some really good and and some positive news to see. Yeah, that's fantastic to see. He was, I mean, anytime a kid like that, because keep in mind, these are kids, these are college students, you know, uh, is in the, not just the hospital, the ICU do it due to an illness that is uh that's that's pretty nuts all right moving on uh brown university goaltender matthew Caron. um he's injured this is big and it was yeah. in practice so this is not even a game related injury this is pretty yeah nuts. so i don't know too many details of it i just uh heard that he's injured uh from from mark diver on twitter and i didn't see any details of the injury but it sounds like it was in practice He's been really good for Brown this this year, though, uh, but he last played January 21st, so it's been a little while. Um, he had a 924 save percentage. He was doing really good, helping Brown out in a couple of games, uh, and recently he's missed games against St. Lawrence, Clarkson, and then it sounds like this weekend he's going to be missing the games against RPI and Union, I believe, are their next two. And when he was gone, these last two games, uh, they lost 6-0 to and 6-2, to so I think they desperately kind of need him or not desperately but he's been a big part of of some of their wins recently because he's been really solid so having him injured is not great for brown um so i'm hoping that this injury is not anything too intense i haven't really heard anything if it's like a small injury big injury i don't know i haven't heard any details besides just that he's injured so i don't know any details of it but uh brown definitely needs him back because their last few games have not uh, gone very well yeah i mean that's brutal and just to get like to get injured in practice i mean is is just i mean that should that should be your safe space you know um yeah that just that just hurts even more because yeah it's like it wasn't even during a game so i don't know hopefully it's just a short-term thing but i have no idea we'll update you on when he comes back that'd be terrific all right now cornell managed to do something uh, over the weekend that I don't think I've ever seen done in hockey before. I didn't even know that this was physically possible um, considering how difficult it is to score goals in hockey. Um, but Cornell scored four goals in less than a minute um, against union uh, to win 10, one, four goals yeah. in less than a minute. How? Just, I don't even know. I saw this stat on Twitter over the weekend. I wasn't watching this game or anything, but I looked at that and I had to like double, triple take that and then like check the box score because I I can understand like two back-to-back every once in a while. You see like one and then they score right off the face-off or something like, but that's even really rare. So it's like four, like if you're union, what are you doing to allow four goals? And from what I read on the box score, it was 
there was a five minute power play. So I think that factored into a little, little bit, but I think they scored like three on that five, fiver, maybe four, but that wasn't part of the one minute. So they scored three at the tail end of this five minute major. And then the fourth right after it looks like it expired. And it's like, just if you're union, like, what are you doing to allow those, those goals? Like, and I know union's not like the worst team or anything. So I don't, I don't know how you let that happen. That just, that just seems like your team just gave up if, if you do that. But yeah, it seems like that five minute major sort of factored into that. And it was from 1140 in the first period to 1234, they scored four. So that's insane. And that 10 to one score includes no hat tricks. Surprisingly, that's also kind of wild because a bunch of people got uh, on the score sheet and were scoring goals. So that was very weird, very strange, but definitely notable. Yeah. All right. Now, obviously, we can't show you the clip, but Colorado College uh, uh, winger and actual like, you know, free agent, like any NHL teams can sign him. Uh, Hunter McCown scored a pretty nasty penalty shot goal that might, uh, you know, that, that might get him get him some attention. Yeah. So I feel like he's been a name that people have been talking about a lot over the past year, just because a lot of teams are probably going to be interested in him here uh, in the next year, whenever he decides to to try to go pro, but he had a penalty shot this weekend and it was just so cool. If you look up his name on Twitter, I'm sure you can find it. It's all over, but he like went up, skated up and then like faked the shot, like at least once it might've been twice and then backhanded it up, hit the, hit the left post and it went in. And it was just like one of the best penalty shots. It just, he made it look so easy. Like I'm sure it's not easy, obviously to, to score that way, but he made it look super easy. Um, and it was, really cool looking so definitely watch that if you have time but he's been so good uh and he's got really good size too which i think is a reason why teams are going to be really interested in him because he's 6'1 200 pounds so he's not the tallest guy but he's tall and he's got the weight some of those guys come into college and they're really skinny and they need to gain some weight but he's he's doing good on that front he's really dangerous on the power play he's a junior 20 points in 26 games. He was in the World Junior Cup roster. I think it was this past summer he got added to that. Uh, and he's on the top line. He's he's put on the right wing right now for Colorado College. Was on the national team, so he has that prestige to his name. But, yeah, he had just an insane penalty shot. Uh, and I think that's just making him even more of a player that teams are going to want to get here. Maybe at the end of this year. We'll see. He's a junior, so he could still play one more. But definitely a, a good player that I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in. Very cool. All right. Now, um, what, at least, you know, from my experience watching him in the, in the world juniors, one of the most underrated guys, someone who just does not get talked about enough is Gavin Brindley. Uh, uh, you know, he's on the same team as Adam Fantilli. So it's, uh, you know, it, he might get a little overshadowed in that regard, but he's been incredibly good. He was incredible in, in, in the world juniors. And now, uh, now things are, things are looking up for him. Yeah, like just like you said, Adam Fantilli, obviously everyone talks about him on Michigan because he's insanely good, like rightfully so, people talk about him. But they also have so many other good players too that I feel like Gavin Brinley has been a little just in the shadows of Adam Fantilli, which he plays with. He plays on Fantilli's line along with then McGrory, who also people know really well. So sometimes I feel like people don't talk about him as much, but he's been really good and he's draft eligible. He's going to be going to hear his name called at the draft this year. Um, it might be also because too, he's listed as five, nine. So he's not the biggest guy out there, but that hasn't really seemed to 
to impact his play too much. He's playing on the right wing right now uh, of Fantilli and then McGrory on that line too. Uh, on most draft rankings I've looked at, it seems like he's listed usually, there's some outliers too, but between like 20 and 25. But I've seen some people have him lower than that, higher than that. Depends on which rankings you're looking at. But he kind of just quietly has almost a point per game and like you said, was really good in World Juniors. So I think he's just increasing his stock more and more every day. He's been really good, and that top line is uh, really dangerous. And if Michigan's able to, you know, make a make a good run in the playoffs here, I think that'll just increase his stock even more. Absolutely. All right now, the the Hockey Commissioners Association they announced the Tim Taylor Rookie of the Year watch list for the NCAA, and boy, it is just a, a it seems like it's a who's who of Team USA guys. Uh, you know, obviously with with Jimmy Snuggery, Lo- Logan Cooley, Lane Hudson, but you got to think, I mean, someone we just mentioned, Adam Fantilli, who was just tearing it up um, as a, uh, a, a freshman, as you want to call it, is is doing incredible. He's got to be the favorite. Yeah, I mean, I assume he has to be the favorite just because everybody's been posting that. Uh, what is it? The Eichel comparison with the freshman years and and that sort of thing. And he's doing so good this year. And now it's like, well, does he also become a favorite for the Hobie? I don't know. It's really hard to win that award as a freshman. Um, so we'll see, I guess. But I assume he has to be kind of the favorite for rookie of the year as of right now. But then again, you look at players like Ryan McAllister, who's a little bit came in, came in a little bit older, but has been tearing it up with points production. Jimmy Snuggerud and Logan Cooley have been amazing for the Gophers. Lane Hudson's had a really good season. I mean, there's a bunch more I can list off, but I feel like those have been kind of the top people so far. I mean, there's a couple other that are also really, really good, but I feel like Adam Fantilli has to kind of be the favorite as of right now. Absolutely. All right. And then your player to watch is, you know, someone who, with just an absurd name, uh, just spelling wise, but it's Leighton Road, spelled L-L-E-Y-T-O-N and then R-O-E-D. I mean, just spell it phonetically, please, but, you know, to each their own um, of Bemidji state. He's uh he's Sydney's player to watch of this week. Yeah. I wanted to, to shout out Bemidji state, give them a little bit of love here just because uh, Leighton road has had, I think a really good freshman season. Honestly, Bemidji state hasn't had the best past few weeks or the best season, but I feel like he's been kind of a nice shining light for them and for Bemidji state and the Beavers. And He's, uh, you know, a non-drafted player, but he leads the team in points or he's tied for the team lead in points with 22 and 28. And that's really hard to do as a freshman coming into the NCAA. He's six feet tall. He's from Minnesota. So he's playing for a Minnesota school, which is kind of nice to see, kind of cool to see. And, you know, maybe this year doesn't go so great for Bemidji State, but hopefully he can be that player in in years to come or even next year and kind of be their, their go-to guy. It seems like he's kind of already been that this year, but Maybe this year, finish off the season, you know, maybe get a couple more wins. It doesn't seem like they're going to do a ton the rest of this year or get a ton of wins or anything. But, you know, next year he could be that go-to guy and he's only a freshman and he's doing this good. So he's my player to watch and hopefully he can be uh, one of those best players for Bemidji State here going forward. Doing great. All right. So now we're going into some pretty big uh, news from the – sorry, from the USHL in that there was an update from last week and that Sid saw the video of what Will Diamond did to warrant the seven game suspension um, um, that he, that was levied uh, to him. That doesn't happen very often. Seven games is a lot uh, considering how short the season is. Uh, tell us about this. What happened? Cause I missed this. Obviously I was uh, covering the all-star weekend. So what, what, what's going down here? 
Yeah, so this, I mentioned it last week. I didn't see the video yet by the time we recorded, but then my colleague at the Rink Live, Jordan McAlpine, sent me, uh, he had a story up on the Rink Live where he has the video of of what happened. So it's on there if you want to see it. I don't think anybody tweeted it out. You had to like go in the like game footage and, and find it. But it's kind of a, it's funny in a bad way, I guess I should say, because it's not great. It's kind of just like a bad, it seems like one guy's not really fighting and the other guy's, fighting kind of a lot uh but in the background it sounds like they're playing like the rocky music or something like this just must be on the overhead i don't know or just playing on the sound system maybe during the replay or when it was happening i don't know so i, I kind of laughed at that but yeah not a great uh a penalty to take suspended seven games but there is video of it so i had to watch that and then i just checked and there was another huge suspension for six games <laughs> recently so i don't know what's up with these huge suspensions and it was to Easton Zuger for for head contact. I haven't seen that one, but I think we'll have to find it because seven and six game suspensions in the USHL are not super common. But now we have two big ones here, uh, you know, in back to back weeks. That's that's pretty nuts. Like you said, seven game suspensions are not, uh, you know, they're they're not they're not very common in, in a league where you know the season is is as short as this. So we it must see have like been something one or two, but yeah, not a lot of six or seven does not happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Big trades of Bruin here. Uh, Zion green of Cedar Rapids goes to Des Moines. Yeah. This was the first of a couple we're going to mention just because mm-hmm. the past two weeks, there have been just so many USHL trades that have been happening, but Zion green uh, traded to Des Moines. He's 18. So he's fairly young still. Uh, he only had five points in 22 games, so nothing crazy points production-wise. He is committed to Northern Michigan, though, so Division One committed from Michigan. But he's been scratched quite a bit lately, so maybe that's just because he, he wanted to be traded or the team wanted to trade him. I don't really know, but he only played twice in January, and I don't think he, he's played at all in, in February, but we're only a week into the month. So he had been, I believe, a healthy scratch. I don't think he was injured uh scratched quite a bit but it looks like hopefully if he's getting traded that means he'll likely see some more playing time because i assume that means des moines uh wants him on the team <laughs> amazing all right um connor pelk of des moines goes to see goes to sioux falls and this is a player that typically when i've looked at the line charts for des moines seemed like was mostly a bottom six forward Decent size though, six foot two, mostly plays on the right wing. He's 19 from, from New York, uh, but is uncommitted, not committed to a division one program that I saw on the most previous roster he was on. Uh, he's in his second full year of the USHL. So he's got a little bit of experience there. Not big on the point production though. He has three points so far this year and had, I think six last year. So it doesn't seem like somebody that's going to bring a ton of point production, but uh, maybe a, a trade will help that a little bit. Very cool. All right. Then we got Marion Moscow of Lincoln goes to Fargo in return for, I believe it's Herman Yavash, German Yavash. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's from Belarus, so I'm not sure that the correct, uh, German, I don't know. <laughs> spelled German on that one. spell. It's spelled German. Um, but yes, anyway, so Marion Moscow of Lincoln goes to Fargo in return for, uh, German Yavash. Yeah. So Moscow, five foot 11, he's from Slovakia. So it's kind of funny. It's like international player for international player. Uh, but he's a left-handed defenseman. He's 18. Again, not big on the points production necessarily three points in 24 games, but he is committed to Cornell. And usually he's like the bottom pairing defenseman uh, when he's played, but then Yavash goes 
you know, they both get traded, uh, Lincoln to Fargo, Fargo to Lincoln. Uh, Yavash is a, he's a big guy, six foot three, 208 pounds. So he's a, he's a big dude. He has nine points in 26 games. So not flashy numbers, but he puts up some production and he is from Belarus. So international player. And he typically has been playing on, on the third line left wing, I believe when I last checked that roster, uh, but last year he had 23 points in 42 games, so nothing too shabby there last year with Fargo, and he's committed to Western Michigan, so definitely a, a pretty solid player. Pretty solid player indeed. All right, uh, moving on, we got Madison trading Jack Muska to Cedar Rapids. This is an interesting one because just a few weeks ago we talked about Madison just trading away basically all of their top players. They already traded Quinn Finley and, and Miko Matica, and now they're, they're arguably third guy uh jack musa traded now i think he he had well he does he has the team lead in points uh now that miko matica and quinn finley got traded and now he got traded so madison is kind of just i don't know going for it i guess just racking up it must be some picks and just trying to start clean hopefully for next year because they have not had a a great year but he's gone he's going to cedar rapids he's played both left wing and center so i'm not sure which one he prefers but it looks like he's played a little bit of of both uh, in the past. Not a big guy though. Five foot nine. He's from uh, Florida, and recently last year he had thirty five points in fifty seven games, so nothing too shabby. And this year he's at almost a point per game on a Madison team that has not been great. So those are actually pretty good numbers if you look at uh, all things considered. Very cool, All right? And then finally, with the with the trades, uh, uh, Omaha receives Hayden Cruz of Tri City. Yeah, so this one is kind of like a, a couple different ones in one. So Hayden Cruz goes to Omaha from Tri-City. I'm trying to remember each team they're going to and from. But uh, then Omaha gives away Alex Bump, which is a big one. He got traded at Tri-City this week. And then uh, the other guy, Nate Benoit, I believe is how you say his last name. I'll have to double check some of these pronunciations. I always miss a couple of them. But we'll talk about him later in the show because he's a Minnesota Wild prospect and we'll be talking about prospects here. But uh yeah, so Cruz is a six foot one forward from from Minnesota. He's in his third season of junior, so he's more of an experienced guy in in junior hockey, USHL. I believe he played a little bit in the NAL as well. Had twenty points in thirty games this year. Only has three and twenty three, and usually is kind of just the extra forward. So maybe he's being traded just to get him a little bit more playing time because it seems like he's just kind of been the extra guy, uh, uncommitted. And then Alex Bump, big player. We've talked about him going to Tri-City. He's a fifth-round pick of the Flyers, so he's a draft pick. He's 19, 26 points in 32 games. Vermont commit, big gift for Tri-City. And then uh, we'll talk about the last part of that trade here coming up in our prospects uh, profile for Minnesota because it has kind of something to do with that. Uh, but, yeah, big trade there. Very cool. All right, now Jake Ratzlaff, one of the very interesting, uh, uh, I guess, sort of, case studies we've had here in that he was a former D1 football player, came back to try hockey uh, at Madison. Um, he's now be, uh, apparently being dropped from the Madison roster. Uh, you know, Sydney, you said that he looked like he got injured. Um, so it could be, you know, uh, one of the, the, the sports multi, you know, or premier multi-sport athletes um, no longer on a roster. Yeah. So he was that player we talked a lot about a long time ago. He was a division one football player. He came back. He was going to try to get, uh, I don't know. He's going to try to play division one hockey, but he definitely only had, a, he only had a couple of months to really try and, 
and make an impact on, on this roster, but it looks like he just got dropped a few days ago. So he only had one goal. He only played six games. So I saw one roster that said he was injured. I don't know if that's because I don't know if that's why he got dropped or what, but yeah, it looks like it doesn't seem like he's going to be playing hockey. I assume next year, since he only played six games and, and didn't commit anywhere. So kind of unfortunate, but yeah, that's what happened. Very cool. All right. Then Sioux city adds Baron Woodring to the roster. Yeah. So a couple of players got uh, dropped or traded to the null. He got called up from the New Jersey Rockets of the NCDC. He's a army West point commit. He had over a point per game in, in that league. And then Sioux city, because they added him, they also uh, traded a player. They traded Graydon Dahl to the NAHL, which he played last year. So he played in the USHL started there this year, but now they traded him back to the null. So that happened. Very cool. All right. And then Max Burkholder of Dubuque now holds the team's single season goals record uh, by defense and pretty nuts. It's 12 goals in 36 games, 32 points in, thir- in 36 games, as we said. I mean, this kid is uh, he's looking pretty good. Yeah. So he has the most uh, single season goals by a defenseman. He's five foot eight. So a smaller guy, but he's been able to get quite a few goals. Colorado College commit. Uh, and yeah, he has almost a point per game, but 12 of those are our goals. So he gets a record there. Very cool. Right. And then finally, your USL, USHL player to watch of the week. It's August Falloon, another incredible uh, hockey name of Tri-City. Yeah, this one just quickly wanted to touch on this because I like seeing players that sort of have maybe one rough year and then really improve the next year. So he's from St. Cloud. So where I'm from. So wanted to shout that out a little bit. But mostly it's because last year he only had two points in the entire USHL season. And now he's on the top line on the left wing. And now he has 13 points in 26 games. So cool to see maybe that first year took him a while to adapt. And now he's, he's doing really good. He's picking up points. He's only 18, still uncommitted, but we'll see if that changes soon. And he's got good size at 6'2", 200 pounds. Very cool. All right. Now we are moving into, you know, as we always uh, take a look at the, the prospects, of the American pipeline of different, uh, Different teams. We're on to the Minnesota Wild. Now we are getting a little little tight on time here, so we're going to try and rapid fire these as much as we can. Um, let's start with Nikita Nestorenko of Boston College. Yeah, so this player, six foot two forward, six round pick in 2019. He's from New York and he's a junior at BC. Almost a point per game. He's got 22 points so far this season, six goals and 16 assists. Uh, had pretty good both freshman and sophomore years, and he was a point per game player previously in the BCHL before he went to the NCAA and he's currently second on the team in total points, which is really cool to see only behind uh, Cutter Gauthier. So that's a, a pretty good statistic. Uh, and he's been on the the second line on the left wing primarily. So a pretty good prospect there. It's pretty good to me. All right. We got Marshall Warren defenseman uh, from New York. This, this is another Boston college player, five foot 11 left-handed defenseman, six round pick back in 2019. He's a senior this year. So we'll see if he, utilizes that fifth season at all uh nine points in 26 games this year last year had 21 and 37 though so we'll see if his points this year end up being closer to that at the end of the season he's uh he's a big leader on the team captain he's prided on his puck skills sometimes his his calmness out on the ice and sometimes his edge work as well and he's a former national team player very cool right now. Here's a guy who I really enjoyed watching at the World Juniors this year. You know, very understated defenseman, but he does a lot of really good stuff well. Uh, Jack Peart of St. Cloud State. 
Yeah, so I get to watch St. Cloud obviously a lot because yeah. I'm, I'm from St. Cloud. I went to St. Cloud, but yeah, a lot of people got to watch him at at uh, World Juniors, and he is a guy that I feel like isn't necessarily the the flashiest player a lot of times, but he does a lot of things just really well, really solidly, and he does pick up some points on offense. So not only does he do a lot of good things right on defense, he also contributes some points as well. He has 21 points in 28 games. Five foot eleven left-handed defenseman. He's only nineteen. He went into college as a true freshman, which is really rare. Um, he's been pretty consistent so far. A guy you can trust out there on the ice and and can lead a power play. But I think he'll still uh, take some time and keep developing in college. Very cool. All right, then we got Rieger Lawrence of Denver. Yeah, so this player is another young player that I think will take some time here to just keep developing. He's currently on uh, usually the bottom line right wing for Denver. Uh, he's six foot two, almost 200 pounds, second round pick this past year from Calgary. He can be a good player. He can use his physicality well sometimes. Uh, he only has eight points, so nothing super flashy this year, but he's only 18. He's really young playing in the NCAA, so I'm not worried. And he's a freshman in a pretty deep Denver lineup, so even just that he's playing in Denver is a is a good sign. But he had really good points in the AJHL last year with 85 and, and 60. So I'm not worried. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's like good size. 6'2", 195, not bad. All right. Brock Faber from Minnesota. Yeah, this was a big uh, name this summer, obviously, because it was part of the big uh, Kevin Fiala trade and all that stuff. Six foot one right handed defenseman from Minnesota playing for Minnesota. He was a second round pick of the Kings, but now he's part of the wilds organization, uh, national team development product. He's been working on his offense mostly here the past few years. He played for the Olympics. He played in the world junior cup. He has 20 points in 28 games right now for a really good Minnesota team. And he's a good leader as well. He's a, he's a captain of the team. So I assume he's going to be trying to sign here this off season. Very cool. All right. Our penultimate guy in the American pipeline here is Ryan Healy, uh, son of Eric Healy. Yeah, so six foot, uh, another right-handed defenseman here. Fourth round pick this past year. He's 18, so uh, pretty young. I've seen most people pride him on his on his puck handling. Maybe I've seen a couple people say his skating might need to get a little bit better, but you know that's what the next few years of development are for. Uh, but sometimes likes to join the rush as well. Seven points in 23 games right now for Harvard. Didn't have amazing USHL numbers, but he played for Sioux Falls, who didn't have a great uh, year last year. So I wouldn't really uh, count that against him too much. Very cool. And then finally, we got Nate Benoit of Waterloo of the W or the USHL. Yeah. So this is one that we mentioned we'd talk about here. Six foot one left-handed defenseman from New Hampshire, committed to North Dakota, and just got traded from Omaha actually this this week. So now he's going to be playing for Waterloo. 17 points in 37 games, didn't have amazing numbers last year, only had nine points throughout the year, but then he was traded, I believe, in the middle of the season last year too, but he'll be going to college next year, uh, and hopefully he'll just be able to continue his uh, development, and he'll have a couple of years in college, and hopefully will be a, a good prospect. Well, look at that. We've reached the end of the American Pipeline for this week. Uh, did it in such a timely manner. Way to go, Sydney. Way to go, us. We did a great job. Um We'll be back next week, obviously, to uh, you know to recap a great week and have a lot of fun and everything. Um, if you want to listen to this podcast or you know any any episodes of any other podcasts on the, the Hockey News Network, you can go to uh, thehockeynews.com slash podcasts. All our archives are on there. Um, check out Sydney at the Rink Live, obviously. And uh, I will see you next week, Sydney. It was always fun.